is chilling. Truth. That's why I just tried to what I had to face, what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm a king, man. I decide who does what and where they do it at. Next time you see me. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, I've been ready. Yeah, just waiting on you, so. Okay, I'm recording. Great. Now we don't have all that great background banter that we just did. Sorry, you should have said something. Oh, yeah, it's my fault again, of course. I Why know. Why wouldn't is. it be my fault again, you know? Whatever, dude, I don't care. Let's clap again. But we got to clap again. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Whole pro- of mean, course, yes. We get the, the show up and running. We're, we're on I'm... air. And then, you know, we're backpedaling. We're not. We're just, we're redoing it. It's take two. That's what backpedaling. I said. That's what I said. It's, no, you said back, but it's different. Backpedaling is different. Same, same, dude. Look, dude, to be fair, I'm your employer and I, you're kind of pushing my buttons a bit. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I've ever clocked in, clocked out. Like, what are you talking like, about? Exactly. That's exactly the problem is you don't clock in and you don't clock out. I got to go on the computer and manually put your time in every time. Well, you're responsible. Look, when you're the boss's friend, man, you get to take it a little <laughs> easy, you know? You get, you, get, you get to chill out, bro. It, it also helps that you're the only employee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that makes it a little yeah, the easier. The applications aren't exactly flying in. No, I no, wish, no. I wish somebody uh, replaced me. I'm tired of this job. I'm, I fucking I'm, I'm carrying wish, us, you know? I wish somebody would read all these goddamn books for me. That would be amazing. If you're yeah. looking for work, don't call us because we can't pay you. <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome two. to The Chilling Truth, everybody. This is a take two. Uh, let's clap really quick, actually. Then I'll do the intro. Are you ready? Do you want me to count? It's part of my job. I mean, clapping is like a one-step thing. I mean, I'm always ready to clap. I mean, anyone. Yeah, except for is. like two episodes ago when I did the count and you didn't even clap. And then I was like, why do you clap? And you're like, I don't know. I think you were lagging. So I just, I fell for your lag. Never, never the blame, right? Nope. It's never Johnny's fault. Never, always dude. someone sabotaged you. Are we you. clapping? Waiting on yes. you. Yes. One, two, three. All right. All right. All Fucking right. Christ. <sighs> Turn my headphones down a bit. They're a little loud. So welcome to The Chilling Truth, everybody. That's Johnny. I'm Corey. And today we're going to be picking up with Ned Kelly Part 2. We yeah. left off uh, with Ned Kelly and his family more or less attacking a police officer named Fitzpatrick. Uh, but Kelly was not caught. So he does go on to commit other crimes, which uh, we're going to start with one right now. So after the sentences were handed down in Benalla Police Court, both Ned and Dan Kelly doubted that they could convince the police of their story. Uh, so they went into hiding, where they were later joined by friends Joe Byrne and Steve Hart. The police had received information that the Kelly gang were in the Wombat Ranges at the head of the King River. On October 25, 1878, two police parties were secretly dispatched, one from Greta and one from Mansfield. They found an area and set up camp for the night. They couldn't go all the way through in one day because the bush was almost uh, impenetrable. It was uh, yeah, and that's shit. a so, quote unquote impenetrable. So uh, early the next day, two officers went down to the creek to explore, leaving another to attend camp duty. Um, 
at about noon, one of them heard a strange noise down by the creek, and they went to investigate it, uh, hoping that it could be some kangaroos that they could shoot for dinner, which is fucking delicious if you've never had kangaroos. I never knew people ate kangaroos. It's a, it's a, yeah, people I, eat it? It's very common. You can go to any steakhouse, any burger joint, and you can get a steak of it. You can get kangaroo burgers. Like, it's red meat. Interesting. It's, it's, oh, it's amazing. It's a, it, it's it, It's amazing. So... Wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and they're they're seen as rodents down there. I mean, you know, like what? Yeah, do pe- people you up, do, do people hit them with their cars all the time and shit. Like they're all over the place. So I guess to us, it's like it's like whimsical, like a kangaroo, because like we don't have them here. But yeah, like, you to gotta them, go to it's a like zoo. seeing a fucking deer or like a possum or something. Right. No, it's, possums are cool though. Uh, some people where I'm from eat those too. I've never had a possum. That's disgusting. But, uh, yeah, kangaroo is the shit, dude. It's one of my favorite meats. Cool. So, um, instead, uh, he shot and killed some parrots, which he cooked for dinner. Uh, unaware. Again, doesn't seem like, I didn't know that was a thing that people ate. And also parrot. I didn't. I mean, obviously it has meat. It's a bird, but I just never thought. Yeah, of I think you one. can. Eat, yeah, you can eat any bird. I'm sure, any bird tastes. I guess good. technically you can eat anything, just about. Yeah, but you know, birds. I don't know. Dove tastes like pheasant. Pheasant tastes like quail. Quail tastes like. I mean, don't chicken. eat like a crow or anything. It's a trash bird. Don't yeah, no, or like no. a seagull. Yeah, don't eat those pigeons. Shitbird. Disgusting. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, so unaware at the time, the sound uh, of the shots alerted the bushrangers to their location. So, <laughs> uh, you know, looking looking ahead wasn't a thing on these guys' agenda when they started firing shots. Yeah, no, no, no. Foresight was not their strong suit. Yeah. So uh, at about five p.m., Officer uh, McIntyre was at the fire making tea uh, with Officer Lonigan by him uh, when they were suddenly surprised by the Kelly Gang. And heard, bail up, hold up your arms. McIntyre testified that Kelly took his shotgun and that all the gang members were armed. Having left his revolver at the tent door, McIntyre held up his hands and uh, as directed. Uh, Almost immediately, Kelly shifted his aim from McIntyre to Lonigan and fired. Kelly shot him in the temple. He fell to the ground and said, oh Christ, I'm shot. Uh, Which, you know... uh, if you've been shot in the temple, like you know, you gotta. We're talking gun, gun smoke. We're talking like, you know, little like pieces of metal that are just like, uh, you know. Yeah, it's like a shitty little gun. <laughs> so it's not like a fucking three fifty eight blowing a hole in the side. Yeah, he was there. able to, have, uh, you know, uh, complete a sentence. So he died a few seconds later with time to let 357, everybody know. 357, sorry. I'm not an idiot. It's 357. I'm not stupid. I said 358 on accident. So Kelly uh, remarked, <laughs> <laughs> what a pity. I just don't want people to think I'm dumb. Yeah, you're good. Uh, Roll through it. So Kelly said, like, what a pity. Uh, what made the full run is what he asked, and Kelly had McIntyre searched, and when they found that he was unarmed, let him drop his hands. They took Lonigan and McIntyre's revolvers and robbed their tents. Kelly told McIntyre he and the other police were stupid for trying to find out where he, uh, fi- find him out there. Uh, basically, because like this was his, this is his area. It was like, yeah, dude, you're the like U.S. troops going to for... Vietnam. Like you know, they just know yeah, the area you're... better. You're searching for Jason Voorhees at Camp Crystal Lake. He knows his fucking way around out there. Right. 
So it was evident that he knew the exact state of the camp, the number of police, and the description of the horses. He asked where the other two were. <laughs> it made me laugh when I read it. I was like, uh, let's see, they're brown, four legs, uh, definitely two eyes, uh, and a tail. Yeah, yeah, that's what they were on. Oh, cool. So every fucking horse is a suspect now. All of them. Yeah, man. It's not like they had license plates on their fucking butts. <clears throat> man. To, to, that would have been helpful, though, if well, they did. Just meeting the description can be easy sometimes. So, yeah, uh, so well, he told McIntyre he would kill him if he lied. McIntyre revealed their whereabouts and pleaded for their lives. McIntyre asked if he would be shot. Kelly then told him if he wanted to shoot, uh, shoot him, he would have done it already. Uh, Kelly detained the men and waited for the others to come back. Around 5.30 p.m., they heard the other two officers approaching. Four of Kelly's gang hid and waited. They forced McIntyre to sit on a log, and Kelly threatened, Mind, I have a rifle for you if you give any alarm. They talk so fucking weird, dude. Yeah. So I wish I could do an Australian accent. Yeah, it's very, very hard. You don't have to. So Kennedy, sure? <laughs> Kennedy and Scanlon <laughs> rode into the camp. McIntyre went forward and said, Sergeant, I think you'd better dismount and surrender as you are surrounded. Kelly, at the time... Uh, at the same time, called out, "Put up your hands!" So they're just now these are these are police officers that they're straight up robbing out in the fucking woods, dude. Like the Kelly gang, they didn't give a shit, dude. No. They were fucking wild. They're outlaws. They're yeah, fucking dude. out. It's like the Wild West down there. Let the streets handle the shit. So yeah, the bush. Let the bush get them again. So Kid- talking about vaginas. <laughs> Kennedy appeared to think it was Lonigan who called out. And they were messing with him. He smiled and put his hand on his revolver case. He was instantly shot at, but the shooter missed. Kennedy then realized the hopelessness of his position, jumped off his horse, and begged for his life. Uh, it's all right. Stop it. Stop it, is what he said. Scanlon's horse was disturbed, and he tried to dismount, and, uh, but he ended up falling to the ground and was on all fours. As he rose, Kelly shot him in the right side of his chest, killing him almost instantly. So he died Jesus. quicker than the guy that was shot in the temple. Yeah, uh, exactly. Maybe he shot him with the shotgun. Yeah, yeah. So McIntyre thought that the gang intended to shoot the whole party, so he fled on Kennedy's horse. Several shots were fired at McIntyre as he escaped down the creek, but none reached him. The rifles apparently being empty by that stage, and only the revolvers available. Ned later wrote that he uh, he intended to kill McIntyre as, uh, as as he did not like to shoot him after he had surrendered. Uh, so McIntyre galloped through the the scrub, uh, which is I guess the brush. Uh, yeah, for about two Whoever miles. typed up the Wikipedia page was like trying really hard to sound smart. I had to like change everything because it was all like it was like reading the fucking Bible the way they typed it up. It was really stupid. So. Yeah, it was dumb. I don't know what a scrub is. I'm guessing, scrub. yeah, like the bushes and shit. I know TLC didn't want none. so That is very true. They did not want any of those. So don't be, you know, trying to hang out the window to holla. Yeah, on the a, passenger side. Of, of your, yeah, of of your, your best your, friend's ride. Yeah. So, <laughs> and don't go chasing waterfalls, you guys. No, that's don't do that either. that's a ridiculous idea anyway. Unless you I have, don't even know what it means. Unless you have the Unless you have a bucket. You know? Yeah. Like, but whatever, Just moving on. Don't do it. Man. <laughs> so, uh, 
he was wounded, uh, and then, you know, now he's tired. So suffering from a severe fall during his escape and with his clothes in tatters, uh, McIntyre concealed himself in a wombat hole until dark, taking note of the direction of the setting sun. Uh, at about midnight, he set about to strike the Benalla Road by trekking west, guiding by a star uh, uh, as he travels. So, you know, old, the old days, the good old days, they say. The good old days where you could use a star to get around. I don't need no GPS. Nope, I got that star. If it's cloudy, though, I mean, then maybe I'll take the GPS. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess your plan wouldn't work on a cloudy day. So after no. after crossing a number of streams, his feet became chafed. Um, some people say chafed. Some people say chafed. What do you say? I've never heard chafed. I'm sorry. I chafed. think it's chafed. Okay. Chafed. You know, yeah. like some thick thighs, you know what I'm saying? Some thunder thighs. But he's getting that chub rub. But we're talking about the bottom of this man's feet. So, yeah, he had to feet. walk with one of his boots off. Uh, his, his, I guess his feet were so fucked up. And after a rest uh, and using a match to illuminate small compass, illuminate a small compass, he traveled about 20 miles until he reached a farmhouse outside of Mansfield. Uh, and then on Sunday afternoon... That was on Sunday afternoon when he rolled in. And then he mm. traveled by a buggy to Mansfield and then directly to the residence of Sub-Inspector Putris. Love that. God, that's a disgusting name. Yeah. It sounds like he's always talking like this. He's just <laughs> fucking... Blah, blah, blah. We gotta get that Kelly gang. He wears a robe, Actually, that kind of sounds like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> so after Kelly's gang killed the police officer, some legislation was passed... Uh, it was called the Felons Appreci- uh, Apprehension Act. It was passed. <laughs> the Felons Appreciation, Appreciation Act. We yeah, love yeah. these guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, hometown heroes. So, yeah, man. Yeah, so that was passed uh, in October of 1878. So this outlawed the gang, which made it legal for anyone to shoot them. M- made it legal. Why do I keep saying illegal? I don't know, man. The words are right there. I didn't I fuck guess this one it. Up. In front of it? I'm seeing the eye in front of legal. So You're like meshing them together. It is legal for anyone to shoot them. So everyone, anyone that sees these motherfuckers can just open fire. On sight, as the kids say. So there was no need for the gang to be apprehended or to have a trial for apprehension because of this great new act. So this also made it uh, so anyone who harbored the gang, helped the gang, or even so much as fed the gang would be punished. The deadline for the Kelly Gang's voluntary surrender was November 12th of 1878. So what did they do? They went on and held up Young Husband Station on December 9th. <laughs> Just fucking ignored the exactly. surrender. Well, you know. Yeah. It was, it was a message. So They're about that gang life, dude. They don't get time to be surrendered. No, they gotta make money. Gang, gang. So on December 9th, 1878... <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, like what? Three weeks after? Four week? Three weeks after they were supposed to surrender themselves? Yeah, uh, December 9th, my birthday. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was. You know, uh, yeah. it's coming up, dude. You're gonna be like, yeah, that's like twenty four or something like that. Twenty nine, actually. Yeah. But thank you for the. I wish you got I was such a baby face. It's hard to, it's hard to tell. Yeah, you know the beard really makes me look so young. Mm. All right, so, <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, December 9th, 1878, uh, the gang held up uh, Young Husband's Station at Faithful's Creek near the town of uh, Euroa? Euro? Euroa? I think it's Euroa. 
Okay. Uh, all My Yoa, your Oa. So the only thing the gang wanted was food in the people's houses to stay in. After one of the employees named Fitzgerald saw that Ned had a revolver, he said, well, of course, if the gentlemen want my refreshment, they must have it. Uh, Yeah, of course he fucking did, because he's got a goddamn gun. Exactly. (laughs) So after that, uh, after that, three of the other outlaws helped Ned tie up the men in the storeroom. Uh, Late in the afternoon, the manager of the station, Mr. McCauley, returned and was promptly held up. That evening, a hawker named James Gloucester arrived at the station to camp for the night. A hawker is basically a peddler, someone who sells stuff on the street and can easily move around if they need to. Uh, yeah, yeah, they just like have like a blanket and like a bunch of knockoff yeah. shoes and purses on it. And shit so, like that. so this guy's warned that the Kelly gang was holding up, holding the station up, but he decided to ignore the warnings. When he was approached by Ned, he responded angrily and like attempted to get a revolver <laughs> from his wagon. Uh, Ned threatened to shoot him, saying it would be easy to do so if the hawk, uh, if the hawker did not keep his civil tongue in his head. Which I guess that means talk shit, you're gonna get hit. Yeah, shit, your foot. Yeah, yeah. That's basically talk shit, get hit. So yeah. a little uh, more eloquent than talk shit. Get yeah, hit. yeah, yeah. He was, he was it doesn't rhyme. It. So, so Gloucester asked the Bush Ranger who he was. Uh, he said, "I'm Ned Kelly, the son of Red Kelly, and a better man never stood in two fucking shoes." Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, Got that confidence, man. Yeah, I wish so I had that kind of confidence. Macaulay persuaded Gloucester to surrender, and the pair joined the other prisoners in the storeroom. The Kellys stole new suits and a revolver from Gloucester's stock as they wanted to look presentable at the bank. They offered the <laughs> hawker money for them, uh, to which he refused. Because this is like the time where like gangsters wore suits and shit. Like It wasn't like, you know, they wanted to dress like Al Capone kind of shit. Yeah, dude, you wanted to wear the money that you were making or stealing. Yeah, man. Or whatever. You wanted to look cool. So, uh, yeah, the following afternoon, leaving Byrne in charge of the hostages, the other three axed the telegraph poles and cut the wires to sever the town's police link to Benalla. Uh, three or four railway men tried to intervene, but they, too, were taken hostage. The Bush Rangers then went to the bank and uh, with a small check drawn by Macaulay, uh, the bank having closed before their arrival, Ned forced the clerk to open it and cash the fucking check. After taking, can you imagine they're like, "Come back tomorrow"? Like, no, I'm here now. Like, no, 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 just come back tomorrow. We'll be open. Like, I'm not. I've already locked the doors. We're gonna unlock them. <sighs> Fine, but you gotta be quick and don't let anybody. <laughs> it's like when you go shopping on like Christmas Day, and you're like, "Please, my son, he wants." It's like, okay, but fine. Know. It's, I don't yeah. know if it's the same. So after taking 700 euros, or is that pounds? That's pounds. Pounds. Yeah, we're in Australia. Queen of England. I just never know because Queen, Queen Elizabeth II or whatever the fuck, she, she's on all their coins still. Yeah, well, it's pounds. It's not real um, money. It's, you know, it's whatever. It's, it's, it's like Monopoly It's money. like plastic. Yeah, so, it doesn't matter. It's like colorful and, and it is, shit. It's Get actually plastic. The, the dollar bills in Australia, like you can... Uh, uh, yeah, you can like put them underwater and shit. Yeah, you, you can jump in the water with, within your pocket. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so after taking 700 pounds in notes, uh, gold and silver, <clears throat> Ned forced the manager to open up the fucking safe, from which the Bush Rangers got about 1,500 pounds in paper, 300 pounds in gold, and about 300 pounds worth of gold dust which I don't know what that is, but it sounds amazing. 
and nearly and the wrestler from WWF. Yeah, They bailed him out in the process. <laughs> yeah, they bailed him. So, he was locked in the safe because the SmackDown was coming Gold up. Dust, uh, Gold Dust is a time traveler. He was around in the 1870s. Yeah, yeah, he was back then. He started like, fucking bu- whooping everybody's ass. In the <laughs> yeah, he was still whooping ass. Yeah. I mean, he's still kicking their ass. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, really and then cool. they got about a hundred pounds of silver. The reported total amount stolen was, uh, that's what sixty eight ten pound notes, sixty seven five pound notes, four hundred and eighteen one pound notes, five hundred pound and sovereigns, about ninety pounds in silver, and a thirty ounce ingot of gold. Which uh, it sounds like they got a good bit amount, a good bit of. A good bit of money there. It does. It does. The yeah. the outlaws were polite though, and uh, and as well as considerate to Scott's wife. Scott himself invited invited the outlaws to drink whiskey with them, which they did. The whole party went to Young's husband, Young husbands, where the rest of the hostages were. Uh, Macaulay remarked to Kelly that the police might come along, which would mean a fight. Kelly then replied, "I wish they fucking would." For there's plenty <laughs> to cover here. In the evening... Yeah, man, he's fucking ready. Yeah, so in the evening, tea was prepared, and at half past eight, the outlaws warned the hostages not to move for three hours, informing them that they were leaving. Just before they left, Kelly noticed that a Mr. McDougal was wearing a watch and asked for it. McDougal replied that it was a gift from his dead mother. Kelly declared that he wouldn't take it under any consideration, and soon afterwards, the four of the outlaws left. So, what a fucking gentleman, man! Like he's got—that's what I was about to say. I think manners. that's why a lot of people look at him as like, because he wasn't like a piece of shit. You know, he wasn't like beating up the hostages or like they weren't like raping women and shit. Like they were polite. They just didn't want to work and they wanted money, man. I mean, yeah. Who doesn't want money without working? So Everybody. what is unusual is that these uh, stirring events happen without the people in the town knowing of anything. The hostages left the station after five hours. And now we're, we're kind of going to yada, yada, yada a little bit uh, over a couple other crimes. Because it's like a lot. This dude did a lot of stuff. And for time's sakes, we're doing a bit of a yada, yada over some of the stuff to get to the bigger, you know, the bigger crimes. So after this, you should put that in parentheses. Remember what we talked about last Jesus week? Jesus Christ, the fucking parentheses. Again. So, oh <laughs> so uh, maybe some red <laughs> font so that I know. Uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah, I'll take notes of that. Yeah, I'll make sure I do that next time. I cannot wait to be done with this topic you picked. <laughs> so after, <laughs> after the fiasco at the house, uh, the Kelly gang went on to commit more crimes. Some of their sympathizers were arrested during this time. Uh, this included friends of the Kellys as well. There were a total of 23 arrests. Public opinion was turning against the police on the matter. And on April 22nd, 1879, the remainder of the sympathizers were released. None were given money or transported back to their hometowns. All had to find their way back 25, 30, and even 50 miles to get there on their own. Uh, and this is without a car, dude. This is like walking right. or like a wagon with a horse. So, yeah, it'd take you, you two weeks, maybe three weeks. Get home. Yeah. If you don't get stuck in a fucking mountain like the goddamn Donner Party did. Right. So uh, the power that led to condemnation in the media and the groundswell uh, of support for the gang that was a factor in the evading capture for so long. Did I skip a lot? I did. You did. It's the treatment yeah, of the no, 23 men. Uh, no, that's all good. 
The treatment of the 23 men caused resentment of the government's abuse of power that led to condemnation in the media uh, uh, and a groundswell of support for the gang that was a factor in the evading capture for so long. All right, so Thank another you. notable crime of the Kelly gang was the murder of Aaron Sherritt. During the Kelly outbreak, police watch parties monitored houses belonging to relatives of the gang, including that of Burns' mother in the Woolshed Valley. Uh, near Beechworth, the police used the house of their ne- of her neighbor, former Greta mob uh, member and lifelong friend of Byrne, Aaron Sherritt. I'm say Sherritt, Sherritt, as a base of operations, uh, sleeping in in it during the day and keeping watch from nearby caves at night. Uh, Sherritt accepted police ba- uh, payments by uh, for camping with the watch parties and for providing information on the Bush Rangers' activities. While many policemen suspected him of being a double agent for the gang, uh, a detective, Michael Ward, planned to bring the Bushrangers out of hiding for spreading rumors that Sherritt's true loyalties lay with the police. Uh, Convinced that he was a traitor, the gang decided to murder Sherritt as part of their own plan, one that they boasted would astonish not only the uh, Australian colonies, but the whole world. Uh, On... 26th of June, 1880, Dan and Byrne rode into the Woolshed Valley. That evening, they kidnapped Anton Wick, a German-born market gardener who lived near Sherritt, reassuring him that he would not be hurt if he obeyed their, their orders. While Dan went to the front door of Sherritt's hut, Byrne forced Wick to knock on the back door and call out, What do you want? Prompted by Byrne, Wick replied that he had lost his way. Sherritt opened the door and joked with his neighbor as Belle Sherritt, his wife, told him to give directions. As Sherritt raised his arm to point the way, he hesitated, saying, Who's that? Byrne then fired two shots, and Sherritt staggered back, having been hit in the neck, severing his jugular. Byrne followed... Yeah, so Byrne followed Sherritt into the hut and fired again, hitting him in the chest. Sherritt collapsed and died within a few minutes. As he bled out, his wife and her mother, Ellen Berry, screamed in terror. Byrne told them, that bastard will never put me away again. Hell yeah. So, got rid of that Yeah, man, snitches get stitches. Or, or in this case, shot in the fucking throat. Or like steel marbles to the neck. Yeah, just yeah. so rough. After ordering Ellen to unlock the door, the front door for Dan, Byrne used Bell as a human shield as he fired into the bedroom where he knew four policemen were hiding. That would be Damn. Robert Alexander, Henry Armstrong, Thomas Dowling, and William DeRoss. Byrne sent Bell in to tell him to come out, but they pulled her to the floor. The outlaws then took Ellen uh, outside and Byrne placed kindling around uh, around the hut, promising to roast everyone inside. Uh, he asked Ellen for kerosene, but she pleaded with him, saying, for God's sakes, my girl's in there. Um, then get her out and bring those bloody straps with her, or b- bloody traps with her, replied Byrne. Uh, I'm guessing that's like the cops. They call the cops traps. I don't know. Yeah, I guess because they trap. They trap people. Uh, trying to trap? Man, it's Australia, dude. They see a lot of weird yeah, shit true. down there. 
Well, Ellen went back inside, but then she too was pulled to the floor. The outlaws yelled more threats, then released Wick and rode off. Superintendent Hare later wrote this, quote, It was doubtless a most fortunate occurrence that Aaron was shot by the outlaws. It was impossible to have reclaimed him, and the government of the colony would not have assisted him in any way, and he would have gone back to his old course of life and probably become a bushranger himself, end quote. What a fucking piece of shit, dude. Like, this dude literally died in the line of fire trying to fucking help the cops, and then they're going to be like, well, he was kind of a piece of shit anyway. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what most informants are. They're fucking, previously, they were like criminals. Well, fucking piece of shit, dude. Yeah, it's fucked up, man. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still that way. But uh, so now yeah, of course. we're going to get into the final saga of Ned Kelly and his gang. Uh, yeah, now it's going to get a little intense. So the gang estimated that the policeman inside Sheriff's hut would rela- relay news of his murder to Beechworth by early Sunday morning, prompting a special police train to be sent up from Melbourne. They also figured that the train would collect reinforcements in Benalla before continuing through Glenrowan, a small town in the Warby Range. Or the Warby Range is. There, Warby Range is sounds like a like a TV like a kids TV show about like trains or something. I'm not getting that. There, no, Warby Warby Ranges. I don't know, man. I've been spending a lot of time with my son. I've been off for the past yeah, two days. You've so. been watching some of the kids shows. So, yeah, man, I got to knock it off. The gang planned to wreck the train and kill any survivors, then ride to an unpoliced Benalla where they would rob the banks, set fire to the courthouse, blow up the police barracks, release anyone imprisoned in the gaol, and generally play havoc uh, with the entire town before returning to the bush. So. Honestly, sounds fucking cool. I think it sounds fucking awesome, except for the killing of the survivors, all the innocent people, everything else, robbing the banks, burning the courthouse. That sounds like a good fucking Yeah, man, fuck the man. So... Fuck the man. While Byrne and Dan were in the Woolshed Valley, Ned and Hart tried but failed to damage the track at Glen Rowan, so they forced line repairers camped nearby to finish the fucking job. The, <laughs> the outlaws collected a sharp curve in the line that ran across a deep ravine and told their captives that, captives that they were going to send the train and its occupants to hell. Fucking cool. So the bushrangers took over Glen Rowan without meeting resistance from the, the locals and imprisoned them at Ann, Ann Jones Glen Rowan Inn. While the other hotel in town, McDonald's, Rail, uh, McDonald's Railway Hotel, was uh, used to stable the gang's stolen horses. Uh, one of which carried a tin of blasting powder and fuses. Uh, Very nice. Their pack horses also carried suits of bullet-repelling armor, each complete with a helmet and weighing about 97 pounds. The gang made these suits with the intention of further robbing banks. The police had been informed. Have you seen a picture of him? Have you seen a picture of him wearing the suit? Yeah. It's so funny looking. He looks like a fucking giant ogre. Dude, he looks metal He looks huge. Yeah, dude, it looks fucking crazy. So, the police had informed, uh, were informed by their spies, who the fuck, about the armor, but dismissed these claims as tall tales. Because this, I'm guessing, this has never been done before. No, this is totally unprecedented. Um, like nobody's so built by fucking s- suits of armor. Yeah. Like so that. by Sunday afternoon, the gang had gathered a total of sixty-two hostages at at the hotel. As the hours passed without any sight of the train, the gang insisted that drinks be provided to the townspeople and that music be played. 
They danced with the hostages <laughs> while the landlady's son uh, sang Bush Ranger ballads, including one about the Kelly gang. Dude, it just sounds like such a good time. It just it sounds does. like so much fun to be taken hostage by the Kelly gang. It's a party. So Dan and Byrne got yeah, drunk. Man. Ned, however, abstained from drinking and instead staged hop, step, and jump and other games with the hostages who were also encouraged by the Bush Rangers to amuse themselves with card games. One hostage later testified that Ned did not treat us badly. Not at all. No, man. He's focused. He's, no, no drinking. Not going to treat these sausages bad. They what? Got a job what the fuck did you just say about my friend Ned? <laughs> hey, that guy's number one. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, man, you didn't hear? He's fucking number one. It's just a bunch of fucking Australian rednecks who are like all about him. Yeah, man. He got my cat out of a tree the other day, man, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he came over and changed my oil for me. I didn't even ask him. <laughs> okay, that doesn't seem like a very big deal. But what did, what did he, he did it? What did he change the oil in? <laughs> um, my horse. He just yanked on the pull down down there, and <laughs> yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah. white oil came out. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what he did. <laughs> yeah, got it. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll just add that to the list of crimes. So at about ten p.m., Ned and Byrne captured Glenn Rowan's lone constable, uh, Bracken. With the uh, the assistance of hostage Thomas Kernow, Kern- uh, a local schoolmaster who sought to gain the gang's trust in order to <laughs> thwart their plans. So now the hostages are like in on the shit. I almost, but he was going to try to take him down. I almost liked work. Thomas for a split second. Yeah, for a split second. But yeah. then I'm like, so believing that Kernow was a sympathizer, Ned let him and his wife return home, but warned them to go quietly to bed and not to dream too loud what uh, the fuck does that even mean? i don't know man but that sounds like something that you know like christopher walken says to you right before you it like, sounds like die. a threat so as yeah. one of the gang would uh, as one of the gang well it basically a gang uh one of the gang members was was gonna visit uh during during the night hours so yeah Back at the hotel, Kelly grew increasingly anxious over the train's non-arrival. The delay was caused by the fact that the policeman in Sherritt's hut waited until daylight to emerge and gave the alarm. Uh, And the news of the murder did not reach Melbourne until Sunday afternoon. So time was just delayed because these motherfuckers, they heard three hours and they stayed an extra two out of fear, I guess. So it really Mm -hmm. slowed things down a little bit. Yeah, the Kellys were like thinking, you know, that the message was you know, already, you know, that they were already going to be on their way. Right. So only at 1 a.m. on Monday did a police train carrying troopers, uh, native trackers, and several journalists steam into Benalla to collect reinforcements. Upon hearing the trains approach at 3 a.m., Kernow, despite Kelly's warning, rushed to the line and warned the pilot train to stop by raising a lit candle behind a red scarf. He told the driver of the gang's plan. The trains then slowly made their way uh, to Glen Rowan. That's pretty cool. The candle behind the red scarf, like a red light. I guess if you're a narc. So yeah, around well, this time. I'm just saying it was, you know, it was ingenuitive. He should still have his throat cut. So after, Whoa, after this bold. time, Kelly decided to let the townspeople return home. The gang prepared for action and hurried to dress in their, uh, their armor. Uh, uh, Bracken, uh, meanwhile, told the hostages to lay low and escape to the railway station to explain the situation to the police. 
Superintendent Hare led six constables and five native trackers towards the hotel where the armor-clad outlaws waited for them on their veranda. Uh, As the police approached the police commander, Superintendent Hare noticed a single figure standing on the veranda, uh, which a veranda is like a, I'm guessing it's like a porch or a deck or something like that. Veranda is actually a porch that goes all the way around the entire house. Yeah, we just call that a wraparound where I'm from. Yeah. Not a reach well, around, I learned that but a in, wraparound. In fourth grade English. Mm. So, who immediately opened fire on the police? The police returned fire, and the other three gang members, all dressed in their armor, joined Ned Kelly. In the first volley, sup, uh, Superintendent Hare was hit in the <laughs> left wrist, and Ned Kelly was wounded in the left hand and arm, and he received a shot to his right foot that entered at the toes and exited at his heel. Fuck. So, I can't imagine like how a lot. excruciating that would be. Um, the police, trackers, and civilian volunteers surrounded the hotel throughout the night, and the firing continued. At about 5 a.m., nine reinforcements under Superintendent Sadlier arrived from Benalla, followed soon after by... Uh, by Sergeant Steele of Wangarata, is how I'm going to say that. <laughs> Sergeant Steele sounds like a fucking badass, though. It does, man. He's Yeah, he's probably gnarly. So, what he... He brought six more policemen for a total of about 30 men. Uh, around this stage, Byrne made a toast while drinking whiskey at the bar, saying, many more years in the bush for the Kelly gang. Moments later, a stray bullet passed through a small gap, in his armor and severed his femoral, his femoral artery. And he bled out within minutes, uh, before daylight, senior constable Kelly found a revolving rifle and a silk cap lying in the bush about a hundred yards from the hotel. The rifle was covered with blood and uh, a pool of blood lay nearby it. Uh, they believed it to belong to one of the bush rangers hinting that they had escaped They proved to be those of Ned Kelly himself. At daybreak, the women and children among the hostages were allowed to depart. They were challenged as they approached the police line to ensure that the outlaws were not attempting to escape in disguise. Now we're going to get to Kelly's last stand with the fucking police. So the next morning, Kelly, clad in his armor, rose from the bushes and fired at the police officers from the rear. Kelly was armed with three handguns. The police all fired at Kelly but he moved through the morning mist and his armor was deflecting the bullets. So you know, armor like, Kelly... Hush, 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 as he's fucking running because it's... Oh yeah, like you metal. definitely hear him, yeah. yeah. So the armor he was wearing uh, made him look like he was in, in, like an inhumane size, like he was just a giant Yeah, man. he looked fucking gigantic, dude. So many onlookers thought he looked almost superstitious because of his size. At this time, Kelly began laughing at the police's attempt to shoot and shooting him. Which is so terrifying. You can hear this man laughing. <laughs> it's just so scary. From the and fog. It's, like, and it's behind the thing. He's like, ho, 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 ho. Like it's behind the fucking metal. So it sounds even scary. You just see the shoulders, just the yeah, shoulder like, armor, like just bouncing up and down. Yeah, like from laughter. I quit. So he also encouraged the other gang members to continue firing at the police, which they had no problem doing. Obviously. Uh, Kelly, weakened from blood loss, still managed to move about 50 yards or so. He stopped to switch weapons and gain his composure after being shot in his armor, which had said, which uh, he said felt like blows from a man's fist. Uh, after diving into the ground, Sergeant Steele 
Notice Kelly's leg, weren't, they weren't protected with the armor. So he shot at Kelly's legs with a shotgun, tearing apart his hips and his thighs. Kelly finally collapsed, yelling, <laughs> I'm done, I'm done. Yeah, dude, he was like, fuck this. Time out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stell went to disarm Kelly, but Kelly fired one more shot, blowing Steele's hat off and burning his face. When the armor was removed, they were shocked to find it was Kelly. He was shot in the left foot, left leg, right hand, left arm, and twice in the groin area, even though no bullets penetrated his armor. That's pretty he was taken cool. to a railway station, put in a guard's van, taken to the station master's office where his wounds were dressed. Now, on to Kelly's trial and his execution. Because, yes, I don't know if you saw that coming, but that's how something like that ends. Yeah, he gets executed. <laughs> so... Kelly survived to stand trial on October 19th, 1880 in Melbourne before Sir Redmond Barry, the judge who had earlier sentenced Kelly's mother to three years in prison for the attempted murder of, of uh, Fitzpatrick. Uh, Mr. Smith and Mr. Chomley appeared for the Crown and Mr. Is it Benden? Benden? The Binden? So the trial was uh, adjourned, adjourned to October 28th, so pushed back. When Kelly was pre uh, presented on the charge, murdering Constable Lonigan and Constable Scanlon. He was never charged with the murder of Sergeant Kennedy. He was charged with the various bank robberies, the murder of Sherritt, resisting arrest at Glen Rowan, and with a long list of minor charges. He was convicted of the awful murder of Lonigan and sentenced to death by hanging. After handing down the sentence, Barry concluded with the customer word, uh, customary words, May God have mercy on your soul, to which Kelly replied, I will go a little further than that and say, I will see you there where I go. I think that's like basically like see you in hell, kind of. Yeah, you're a piece of shit, too. Like, we're all in this together. Like yeah. if, if wherever I'm going, you're fucking going. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what makes you so special. Because he has that cool robe. Yeah. So. On November 3rd, the uh, Executive Council of Victoria decided that Kelly was to be hanged eight days later, November 11th, at the Melbourne Gowl. In the week leading up to the execution, thousands turned out at street rallies across Melbourne demanding a, rep uh, a reprieve for Kelly, and on November 8th, a petition for clemency with over 32,000 signatures, some of which were a suspicious nature, <laughs> uh, was presented to the governor's private secretary. So maybe just made up names. It's just like Ned Kelly, Bed Kelly, Red Kelly, Jed yeah, just Kelly. Signing <laughs> just signing Ned Kelly. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the executive council... Uh, announced soon after the hanging would proceed as scheduled. There is a dispute about Kelly's last words. Some say his last words were, and I've always wanted to put this somewhere on me, uh, such, such a life uh, is what they say, but such is life is what I've seen before with him. Yeah, there's like a lot of dispute over what the last... But and then the other one such is... Such a life. Uh, ah, well, I suppose it has come to this. That's his other supposed last last words. Yeah. So, but as the ropes were placed around Kelly's neck and the gallows that day, the warden said Kelly made an indiscernible sound. <laughs> the last thing Kelly's mom told him was, mind you, die like a Kelly. Holy fuck, his mom's intense, dude. <laughs> That's yeah, such like, an dude, intense you don't go out like a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, 
After Kelly's execution in March 1881, the Victorian government approved a royal commission into the conduct of the Victoria Police during the Kelly outbreak. Over the next six months, the commission, chaired by Francis Longmore, held 66 meetings, examined 62 witnesses, and visited towns throughout Kelly country. While its report found that the police had acted properly in relation to the criminality of the Kellys, it's exposed widespread corruption and shattered a number of police careers in addition to that of Chief Commissioner Frederick Standish. Numerous other officers, including senior staff, were reprimanded, demoted, or suspended. It concluded with a list of 36 recommendations for reform. Kelly hoped that his death would lead to an investigation into police conduct, and although the report did not exonerate him or his gang, its findings were said to strip the authorities of what scanty rags of reputation the Kellys had left them. Hell yeah. At least... I mean, he didn't die in vain. You know what I mean? Like, at least no, some but I good think that's came how, out of it. That's how a lot of, uh, like, political leaders are, not, not so much political leaders, like, you know, like Gandhi and, like, you know, the monk that set himself on fire. Like, you got, like, you got to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. So, like, you know, he gave himself, he made decisions that he made that, you know, he thought were right. But ultimately, it led to society going in the direction that he kind of perpetuated yeah i mean still a criminal nonetheless still like a hometown hero you're saying it wrong no no no. i said what i said but anyway nonetheless he robbed banks who gives a shit about that there's fucking the money's insured who cares but anyways that's ned kelly i know this episode's coming late in the day we're actually recording this on friday so today is the day that it's gonna be coming out um and yeah, that's Ned Kelly. Uh, he lived and died as a uh, quote-unquote hometown hero in Johnny's eyes. Yep. Nice finger guns. Appreciate that. Anyway, you can follow us on Instagram Preach. at uh, the Chilling Truth Podcast. You can follow both of us on Instagram at our shit. Uh, we've said it a thousand times. But uh, go leave us a review on iTunes if you like the show. And we will catch you guys on the flippity flip. Later. Later.